You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Today's focal passage is in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Feel free to follow along on the screens or in your Bibles. Starting at verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because of their widows were being neglected in a daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we, we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, and the Canner, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. You all could have a seat, and the children could be dismissed to their classes. Hey, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. The band just punted the ball to me. <laughs> With... Uh, With a little bit of time left on the clock, I'm not sure they're going to get the ball back before the clock runs out, all right? Um, Would you pray with me? God, thanks for your gift. Holy Spirit, thank you that you shine bright your word and you show us not only what happened uh, in passages like this, uh, and you let us glean wisdom, but, but you also instruct us on how to live. You tell us what's happened uh, for us on our behalf, that we have a, a great servant, Jesus, who came and laid down his life. God, today would you, would you open our hearts and our minds, and, and would you let us feel um, the weight of our responsibility and burden as servants within this church, within your kingdom, in a way maybe we never have before? And would you show us the greatness of, of your depth of servitude to us to lay the groundwork for that? And God, would you show us how important it is to be organized to care for, and and to send your mission near and far. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. A little late to the trend, but uh, I was quarantined last month or whatever, and um, that that means that my family did not test positive, but I did, and so I was stuck in a room of isolation for the second time in my life. Um, And it's not the worst thing ever, but I started watching the show Lost, right? I never saw it before, and I know everybody at the time was like, you're losing your mind, like, you know, whatever. So the first time I was quarantined, I watched Alone, right, for a long period of time. Second time, watched Lost, all right? And so it was a a bit of a good journey. Haven't gotten through it all. No spoilers. So um, the idea of of the show Lost is there's a plane crash, and there are like 47 survivors that we know of kind of in the beginning, And they figure out life on a deserted island. They just figure it out. And they don't know a whole lot of stuff. And there are lots of themes. But it appealed to my senses pretty quickly. Because from the time I've been 10 years old, I've literally had this thought of like, man, what if like a large group of people like found themselves on an island with no organization and no government and no structure, 10-year-old me, man, how would that go? Like, I'm sure it'd be a little conflicting at first, but then someone would, like, rise to, like, begin to make decisions. Like, right, and that's exactly what happens in the show. So it's like childhood dreams coming to life. There are other themes like science and faith component, but but the intrigue for me is, is how do the people organize? In that situation, the mission is pretty simple, like survive. That's pretty clear right off the bat. Like, we need to survive, all right? Uh, but beyond that, there are loads of questions, like what are the priorities and, and what are the resources? What do we have and, and how are we doing? Uh, who's making decisions? Like, who's in charge? It's really, really important. How are decisions being made? 
And there's this scene with the doctor who, like, as the show goes on, he's clearly, he's pretty competent. He begins to, like, save some lives right away because he has, like, certain medical gifts or whatever. But then beyond that, he's just a pretty competent guy. And so people start going to him and asking him questions. Hey, what do we do here? And he's like, look, I, like, figure it out. I'm I'm no one's leader. I'm not in charge here, right? But then over time, it's like, no, we, like, we want you to lead, right? And then, and then he begins to say things. Well, here's what we're going to do. Let's go. And they're like, we don't like that idea. And he's like, you can't have it both ways. Like, if you want me to lead, let me lead. And if you don't, like, all right? And so just conflict intention, and, and look, that is not uncommon. If there is a mission needing accomplished, and there are people involved confusion and frustration are near, right? You don't believe me? Laundry in your house, right? There's a mission that needs accomplished. Like people want to have clean clothes if that's a possibility, right? And so if there's a family in, involved and, and there's probably someone saying, this is what laundry is going to look like and this is where you put your dirty clothes and maybe you just throw it all in one pile, maybe you put it in separates or whatever you do, there's probably a system in place and it's probably the most frustrating and, and one of the bigger fail, like failures of humanity is that it probably doesn't work exactly as that person would desire. Dishes, same thing. Like, keep the spoons separate from the forks. It makes it easier when you pull them out. And the dishwasher, you're like, it's pretty simple, right? Not just at home, though. Billion-dollar corporations, and some of you all work at them. And you know, top-down, like, granular uh, policies and procedures, and it's so frustrating. But then, you, you know, like, all those things on the job site, whatever your job is, whatever that looks like, uh, little league baseball or softball, like that, that shows up in the scheduling and the umpires and the organization. When you get food at McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, all this stuff matters. How are we making decisions? What is the mission? How is this, how is this thing moving forward? And it's true in the church as well. See, we see a similar scenario unfold in the book of Acts. All right, Acts is God's people after the crash, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we see Jesus living his life. And so if you're like, I want to read the Bible, and I'm, in particular, I want to read about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will introduce you to who Jesus is. Right after that, Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, he comes and he lives and he, he pleases the Father in every way, and he, and he interacts with people, and he carries our sin. All who would trust in his name carries our sin to the cross, and he dies. And you think it's over, but it's not over. And then a few days later, he resurrects to life, and he shows us, a, he invites us into new life. And then 40 days later, he ascends to the right hand of the Father. And the church, those disciples who were there at that time, just look around. It's, it's the plane crash. It's, it's how do we live? What are we doing? There are new realities and new revelation and new understanding. And, and there's devastation and there's excitement and there's this clarified mission. They're picking up the pieces and they're moving things forward, advancing the mission that Jesus sent them on. What is that mission? Well, Jesus said to them before he left, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing and teaching them about me and my kingdom and, and then show them that I am the way to eternal life and show them the way of the fullness of life now and forever. That's the mission of the church. Or maybe you've heard us around here say the mission of this church in particular sounds something like this, right? We are a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission to make mature and multiply disciples, and I would even say in, in churches here, there, and everywhere. So very shortly into this mission in the book of Acts, um, we begin to see opportunities for distraction and for disunity and for confusion about who is doing what and, and who or what is the priority. And we begin to see the roots of what we might call mission drift. Like we, we just forget, like here's an example of what that looks like. Blockbuster at one time was a place you could go to rent 
videos. Blockbuster thought that their job was to give people VHS cassettes. And then at one point, they're like, that's not our job. Our job is to give people DVDs. That's our job. And then that's what they thought their job was forever. But they forgot that their job was probably, more appropriately, to bring entertainment into people's homes. They missed. Mission drift. Right? The church has the same opportunity to drift from, from what Jesus commissioned us to do. So read this with me in Acts chapter 6. I'm going to read the whole thing so that I can just yell for the next 30 minutes. 35, 40. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, those were Greek, uh, Greeks, arose against the Hebrews, those were Jews, right? Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples, that's a members meeting, and they said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this is the real miracle. Whenever you see lines like this, you think the spirit is surely at work. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. You love it. You're like, oh, gosh. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and a bunch of other curious names from all over. Um, these, they sat before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to faith. Right? There's a problem. They solved the problem. The mission goes forward. That's, that's kind of what we're looking at today. Little different type of sermon from me. All right? um, we always want to sit under the word. And, and we always want to be transformed by that word because we believe that that's the work of the spirit. Shining light on the work of Jesus through the pages of this book. That's what we get to do. But today I, I really want to inform us as a church and, in, and invite us as a church to engage in some particular ways, right? We're commissioning deacons in a few weeks, and I, and, and I want you to know what that means, right? Uh, and how that kind of plays out in the daily life that, that you're a part of. The big idea that we're looking at today is this organized leadership mobilizes to care for the family and advance the mission, So you're thinking about that, you're seeing it in context of Acts chapter 6, and you're thinking, how does all the things that happen around here, how do those things actually happen, right? And they're all, they're all similar, right? My watch has detected a workout. The first thing, uh, we, we observed some things, and in, in your weekly, we didn't give you answers today, we just gave you questions, Right? Uh, the first one is this, what's the problem? There is a problem. And so the problem in this passage is uh, Greek widows are being neglected in food distribution. That's the problem. Um, they're not getting included on the meal train signups. And I say that kind of in jest, but really, that's exactly what's happening. People are, are serving other people. People are taking care of meals and all sorts of things. And, and the Greek widows, they're not on those meal train signups. The, the, whatever the, the process is, they're not being included in that. And so it's made known by a complaint. We don't know how that shakes out, but here's a little wisdom that, that I want to offer. Um, if you lead anything in life, including just yourself, uh, and, and a complaint is brought to you, rejoice, because that's way better than a complaint being made about you, right? As a community, you can complain. It should not typify your life. It shouldn't be the pattern of life. It shouldn't be your primary mood of life. But man, if, if you're going to complain, go talk to the person. You're going to do that with an open heart and in kindness 
And, and so when that happens and someone says, hey, like these people over here, they're not receiving the food distribution, you get to, one, seek to understand before you go into a defense of yourself, right? You should write this down. Someone complains about you or to you or about the thing that you're leading, seek to understand them before you defend yourself. And don't get me wrong, there's, there are times to defend yourself, right? And, and you get to like have legitimate two-way conversation. It might not be in the moment when they're complaining about you. You might just get to listen. And can I ask a, another question? How did, you, who be, like, how did you become aware that this was a thing? And who's, who are the people? Like you get information, right? Seek to understand. Secondly, you, you get to ask this. Is it true? And maybe some of that information helps. Maybe you walk away and you say, well, I know what they're talking about, but that's not really. Or, or you might say, well, the reality is no one is getting fed. And they think that it's just them, but, but no one's getting fed. Or you might say, Based on who the person is that's telling me this, uh, well, are they a trustworthy voice? And this is where things like membership really matter. Because if you show up, like, man, if you're here and you're a guest, super pumped for that. Love that. If you show up week one, and then you meet me when I walk off the stage, and you say, can I have a word with you, and you complain to me about, I'm, I'm just letting you know, your complaint won't make me lose sleep at night. If you're a member and you're bought in, you're part of this family and you serve and you contribute, that we have defined our relationship together, that this is our family, then, then your complaint does make me lose sleep at night, right? And there's probably some in between there, but like you get to say, is this a trusted voice or is this just like a mad blogger? Seek to understand, is it true? And here's the reality. Many, many, many times, at least there's gonna be some truth and you got to say, you know what, gosh, I hate that they feel that way. Man, I hope that we can, man, are they okay? Like, what, what do I need to do right now? Like, maybe there's some triage that, right? I invite them over for dinner, whatever it is. But then you get to say, is there a better way forward? And that's what we see here, right? Is there some resolve or some way that I can help move this thing forward? So we have the problem the problem is that Greek widows are being neglected in the food distribution. And that leads us to a tension, right? <clears throat> the second thing, the tension. See, problems shine light on tensions. And for this, it's that growth exposes limited resources and unsustainable systems. If you don't think like me, that's probably not what you would have said the tension is. You probably would have said it was something else. And, and I'm okay with that, right? So problems shine light on, on tensions, growth, limited resource. Maybe it's money. Maybe there's not enough food. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's energy, oversight, uh, people issues, personnel, policy, whatever it is. But these are just basic organizational obstacles, opportunities, tensions, and, and problems to solve, right? Growth has exposed the failure to scale the system. Here's what I mean. At, uh, when there were five widows, Peter, the apostle, he could probably just run by on his way home from work and, and take them their frozen pizzas. Hey, no, 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 it's no big deal. Like, I'm, I, I head that way anyway. Not a big deal. I'll just, yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, I'll just run by and I'll give them their frozen pizza, their sack lunch, whatever it is. A hundred widows? Peter can't do that, right? So it's a, a, a resource issue, and it might be a personnel issue, right? So, so limited resources then have exposed the need to think bigger about money and time and resources, personnel, gifts, passions, right? Ultimately, what we are looking at is sustainability, Healthy people carrying out the right things with the right motives, keeping main things, main things, and not forsaking the other things. That leads us to a solution. What is the solution? And we're getting somewhere, right? This is the third thing, the solution. Um, the solution has an unspoken assumption that is, that is theological in nature. It's this, that all people matter. Because when the problem became, uh, when, when the problem came about, 
Jews are maybe getting food and the, the Greeks, the Hellenists, are not. They have to authority. And so all people matter as a part of this community that we're a part of, and they should be receiving meals. And, and kind of the second part of that is all people matter, and no single person can do it all. No, no one can do it all. We have one hero, one savior, one provider. His name is Jesus. We don't have to be that, but we can serve in light of who he is, right? The bedrock of church culture, how it organizes and how it solves problems and how it advances the mission is, is to lean into what's already been done. And what's already been done is Jesus is our provider, right? He's, he's, he's our ultimate provider, savior. So here's the thing. I don't have to be. I don't have to do, I don't have to do it all. You don't have to do it all. You can't do it all. So many might look at this passage and it is just a window uh, of description. It's not prescribing anything. It's not telling us what to do. It's showing us what they did. And we get, to, we get to hold that loosely. But we can look at this passage and assume that the fix is obvious. Feed the widows. Problem solved. And I would say, on the surface, you'd be right. But if the fix is feed the widows, then you're kicking a can down the line that will trip you up in a week. As the village, uh, certainly as the elders, we have a compulsive problem of responding to problems with more questions. And it's plagued us for a long, long time. I said that in jest because it's one of the things that I love about our elders so much. Right? I love these brothers. Matt. Adam, Scott. Then when someone has an issue, right, one time we had someone say uh, there was a, a guy's event, a, a, a woman that wanted to go to that, and she said, hey, can I go to that? So they have a problem that exposes a tension. And the answer could have been like, yes or no. But the answer was, six months later, we, we lay out a document that explains complementarian relationships, how men and women serve the church together. And that changed how community group leaders early, that changed who could preach on a Sunday morning. That certainly changed who can show up to this truth and culture thing that by that point we weren't even doing anymore. <laughs> right? I'm super proud of that. Not like this. But because like in life, when you take easy fixes, so we said, what, what does this book say about the way men and women interact? And, and are, is there a benefit to having, to, to celebrating the distinction between men and women? There are. There, there is benefit in that. All right. And so all, all the other things. And so the solution is, 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 it's not more people, it's not more meals, it's not a better system, it's not a delivery truck. If we just had, can we get Peter a delivery truck that would solve all of our problems? It's not a sign-up sheet. It's, it's, it's to identify priorities. That's the solution. I know. You're like, no, it's to feed the widows. Sure, we'll get there. But the, the solution is to identify priorities. What is the mission? Depend on God and proclaim the word so people might know him and behold him and follow him. And if, if something even as vital as feeding widows begins to invade into that space, then we must offer solutions that do not undermine our mission today or down the line. It's so easy. As a leader, do you know why it's so easy? Because there's a group of people over here that are restless. They're saying, man, but you guys are just like the others. And you're just like the pagan temple, and you're just like the, and you're just like the, and you say, well, no, no, it's not like that. Look, here's the, it's so easy. I'm not soapboxing. I'm not ivory towering you by saying it's just an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. To keep the mission the main thing is, is not easy. In Acts 6, 2, and they summoned the full number of the disciples, and they said it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. They prioritize the mission. They prioritize giftedness. They prioritize influence. They prioritize problems. 
They had a members meeting and they cast vision for the greater work to make disciples who know and trust and treasure God by, by making the fullness of his word known. This is why if you're a leader and if you're a deacon in this church, you must get utterly sick of me reminding you of why you do what you do. I know you're sick of that. I don't care. Look, Last year, um, Matt and I, like our, our roles, uh, long story, basically I oversaw some teams and some deacons and, you know, some servant leaders or whatever, and Matt oversaw some at some point, and so kind of direct reporting went whatever. Like, did you guys know that the church does that stuff too? It's not just best practice for the corporate world, but we get to show a better way, all right? And we get to, we get to be organized with clarity, Last year, we, we basically kind of said, well, what if, like, Matt's gifts is, he can, like, get things done, right? He'll answer the question. And so, well, what if all of those people, we have, like, 17 or 18 teams around here, all of those people, in, in terms of, like, daily operational stuff, Matt's your guy. All of them, all right? If you have an issue, our church offices aren't the central hub to this church. Like, you all are as you scatter out. And so those leaders, they're scheduling volunteers, all of them. We, we don't do that. That's not an administrative role. That's, that's a leadership role. And so scheduling volunteers and, and taking care of all those things. But as, as opportunities and obstacles come up, match your guy in the daily. Day. But then my responsibility is alignment. So I had a conversation with nearly every single one of the servant leaders or, or deacons in the last year. And you know, I asked them, do you know how what you're doing is making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. People up here, mobilizes a team, people back there, people back there, people in the stairs that came up here, people cleaning up after you because you're pigs. I'm just kidding. All the stuff that happens up here, led by leaders who are mobilizing servants. And my question to all of them was, do you know how what you're doing is making, maturing, and multiplying disciples? Because if you don't, we can stop doing it. Who, I couldn't care any less about a live stream if it's not making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. I couldn't care any less about a band or anything that, if we're doing this for personal gain, I, I couldn't care less. Do you know how what you're doing is advancing the mission? Well, well cleaning, how can that possibly? Yeah, Bailey put on a clinic when she invited you to clean, Right? She told us a clean environment is hospitable and kind of when someone comes in and they see that, that advances the mission. She invites servants, volunteers to join her team that can put their gifts to use, making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. It's hard work. I know many other churches that don't, that don't do that, and that's Okay. And there, it's, so often we say to one another, gosh, it, wouldn't it, it would just be easier. What if we just didn't have deacons? We didn't have to chat with them. And as long as things were moving forward, then things are good. We wouldn't have to have tough conversations. And we wouldn't have to do all that. We don't get to do that. Because we get to be aligned around the mission in the way that God invites us to build his church. Because if we don't, then we will find ourselves being a church that exists to feed the poor. Hear me. God forbid that the church exists to feed the poor. Now, if you sit here and you say, oh, well, that's because I think feeding the poor is important. Yeah, it, it sure is important. It's not why the church exists. We might find ourselves being a church that says, man, above all, we have to get our guy in office, local or federal. God forbid we be a church that exists to get our guy in office. Or maybe, maybe I built a church around my personal needs and wants and desires and say, man, I, I want to get rich and I want to get famous and I want to use this church to, to make that happen. You think that doesn't happen? Or maybe 
down the line, if we don't align around the priorities, then, then we exist to advance a hashtag movement or we exist to gather a bigger crowd. Is gathering a bigger crowd a bad thing? It's certainly not. Is it the purpose and the mission of the church? It's not. Or maybe we exist to keep the crowd that we have because I don't really like big churches because you can't really be known. And I like things better when we were like 40 or 50. And Right? And so maybe we exist to have, have the crowd that we have with huge brains, theological clarity like you wouldn't believe, and we forsake the mission altogether. None of those things are, are the, the reason why the church exists. Widows are important. Serving tables are important, right? So what did they do? They identified priorities. They aligned the problem rightly under the mission. They invited others into the work, not merely those that have waitressing experience, but those that have character befitting of, of this king. What's not said in this passage is they didn't say, and they commissioned deacons. Didn't use the word, didn't say that. But they laid hands on them, they sent them out to serve. <clears throat> it's, it's reasonable to assume, right? Uh, well, it's reasonable to assume that this is the beginning of the church responding to growth and issues. And later on, when Paul writes letters, uh, a little further down the line, he shows us exactly how the church should be organized. And he said, elders are to look like this, and they're to do this. And deacons, they're to be this. And he doesn't really tell them so much what to do, which is because context is really important. What, what they don't say is uh, when Paul goes and he tells Timothy and Titus, Hey, we want you to, we're planting a new church, establish elders, and, and remember, uh, we want you to identify the seven people who will serve tables. Because that might not have been their need. He says, invite people in to be servant leaders. In 1 Timothy 3, we see kind of like a... Uh, it's kind of like the, the character qualifications, and this isn't the only place, but uh, deacons are to be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy, with a clear conscience, tested first, blameless, right, and, and, and all kinds of other things. So the question is for us, um, it's, it's not just that, that deacons are to be really good people, right? I get to talk to lots of other pastors and church planters as they're figuring this stuff out. And, and some of them will say things like, man, I have this, this guy, he's like just the nicest guy. I think I'm going to make him a deacon. What is he going to do? It's like, well, I mean, figure that out. But like, he's just, gosh, he's just such a great dude. And I say, well, it's hard to keep someone accountable to just being a really great dude. Is he a deacon just indefinitely forever? He doesn't have to do anything? Because that's not really what we see. That, that, doesn't, that sounds like a really great dude, maybe not a servant, certainly not a servant leader like we see in these passages. But the other side is that it can't be just about doing either, right? And so there's, there's both. And so what I want to spend the next few minutes on is, is how does all of this show up here, right? How does all this show up here? That's the fourth thing, right? The way it all shows up here. And, and so the first thing is, is we are a... Jesus-centered, elder-led, deacon-served, member-informed church community. We didn't have the language for that 10 years ago, but that's who we are. Jesus-centered, elder-led, deacon-served, member-informed community. And what we see is, Jesus, he, he doesn't need you. He does what he does. He advances the mission. He completes the mission. Elders here set the mission forward. Right? In, in local churches, like I, I don't, 
I don't get to set the mission for every Christian on the planet. But the ones that are a part of this local expression of God's universal church, the elders get to do that. The Bible says, shepherd the flock that is among you. That doesn't mean shepherd the flock that's not among us. And that means many things that we don't have time to talk about. But, but it's also one reason why membership is really, really important. Because we, I can't care for everyone in this room or in this city if at, at some point we don't come together and say, hey, we're a family together, and then my responsibility is to oversee care for you. It's, it's not everything. Membership's not everything, but it helps us. And if you're not a member here, there are parts of this family that, that you're not benefiting from. And, and maybe you're not contributing to. Deacons, they serve the mission. It's, in diversity, they're carrying out practical ministry to care for and advance the mission. Members live the mission. It's what every one of us get to do, right? They live the mission. They are the flock among us, right? Um, God keeps lists. Somebody once told me this. They said, hey, like, I appreciate the text and you, like, caring for me and asking me how I'm doing. But knowing that I'm just a name on a list, it's a little hard to trust that you actually care for me. That person, personally, I had, I had probably invested more ministry time. On the surface, a bit hurtful. But beyond that, and whether or not I said this, it's not, it doesn't really matter, but I'm not God of the universe, and the God of the universe keeps lists with your name on it. In fact, in the end of days, right, if Jesus is enough, and, and he says, why should you enter in into eternal rest? And you say, because I'm a really good, no, no but it's because Christ is enough. Enter in. In fact, we have your name right here. I'm not the God of the universe. I might need to jot a note down about who I'm responsible to care for. And it might show up in some regular rhythm because I'm a disaster apart from God's grace in my life and I need all the help that I can have. So members get to live the mission. What that means is, is deacons get to live the mission and they get to serve the mission. And elders get to live the mission, and serve the mission, and set the mission. And Jesus lives the mission, serves the mission, sets the mission, and completes the mission. That's what we get to do together, right? So, so here at the village, deacons do a couple things, right? I, you can go to the next slide. I think this is it. Maybe. Okay, yeah. They get to be something, and they get to do something. They are servants, leaders with gospel-formed character and active ownership. First two are pretty obvious. This, the third one, gospel-formed character, that's a little different than saying, do you meet the biblical qualifications to be a deacon? Are you given to much wine? No, I'm, I'm not actually. Oh, wow. That's, is, is your heart formed by the gospel? Are you liberated by what's already been done? And does it show up in the way that you live life? Active ownership Man, are you committed to the, to the community, this family, and to the mission? As every member should be. What do they do? They invite, they train, they send, and they support. And that shows up literally a million ways. But that means that they get to get others on board. That means that they get to get others on task. That means that they get to give ownership away. And it means that they get to support, like, uh, let them know that what they're doing is valuable. Encourage them. Make sure that they have everything they need to carry out their team's task, right? All that is, is under the mission of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. They are something. They get to be something, but they also get to do 
something. In my notes, I use hashtags to help my brain. And one, it looks like it says order tacos, but it's, they bring order to chaos, right? I was like, they going to order tacos? At times, Brittany Cox does order tacos. Uh, they get to do stuff, right? <clears throat> so this year we made some tweaks and we kind of broadened the net of what role qualifies for like uh, being a deacon. And <clears throat> deacons are those who, who serve the mission um, by inviting, training, sending, and supporting. And, and they, they do that by sending and supporting people and resources to carry out practical ministry. And it shows up literally a thousand ways in this tiny little church community. A couple ways. One is, is leadership. This is kind of historically what deacons were. Deacons emphasize team and task, right? So they're serve team leaders. Historically, that's what deacons were. This year, we kind of broadened that, and we said, well, there's like a discipleship component that the elders, they just can't do all of it, all of it. But so many people have faithfully walked with people. And, and where do meal train signups come from in, in this community? They come from community groups. And so we looked at over the last two years, there's, there's no particular uh, leader that's been more important to this church community when we couldn't gather together and we were scattered out than group leaders. And so the word community group leader, it's not in the Bible. And we're okay with that. But, but we said, man, we want to appropriately kind of put this stuff together and, and say, um, man, we want to give honor where honor's due. And so group leaders can be a part of that. And then we, we never really had this, but mission leaders. And so for us, as we do global go stuff, as we do local go stuff, we want to invite people to bear weight in that. And just so you know, like the intention behind global go stuff is to learn from, and invest in to the ends of the earth. That means that we're not going away to let them know what it looks like to be a real Christian with all of our money and nice things. It means we go away to learn what it looks like to be a real Christian. Learn what it looks like in context. And so we partner with local churches. We come alongside what they're doing. Not to be anyone's hero, but to celebrate alongside them, to learn from them and invest in. It's a little bit like in terms of who can be deacons, and we're really excited about that. A few uh, FAQs for you. Why change? You might be saying, well, why, why do that? Like the Bible didn't change, so why all of a sudden are community group leaders like deacons? And I would say, well, again, community group leaders are part of, um, part of how we see this thing fleshing out, and that term is not in the Bible either. And so when we, when we look at it, uh, we did that for alignment, for appropriate honor, and for, for opportunity for growth. All of those leaders will be equipped in their own way, right? They don't, uh, somebody leading a team might look different than somebody leading a group or leading a team to a foreign country. The equipping might look different, but we, we look at that and we say, man, in terms of organization, Jesus, elders, deacons, members, and everyone else, it's pretty clean and it's pretty clear for such a time as this. You might be asking, um, why women? Why can women be deacons? And I would say, are you kidding? Like, obviously, I don't have time to explain all that. And I, and I won't, but uh, this document that you picked up on the way in, um, I sent it out on Round This Week, and it's actually on the Next Steps page. At the bottom of that, we show you in much greater detail what we actually expect of deacons in, in, all, uh, in all ways, and so you can click some framework and get bored to death reading through what we are inviting those people into. And there's also a document on there, Women Deacons. In that document, you can click on that mammoth complementarian document and read all of the things on why we landed where we did. And, and this is just what I would tell you. It wasn't by accident, and it wasn't catering to cultural appeal, right? You probably have an ideal, and maybe you said, well, deacons are those that meet monthly and, and, uh, and write checks. I don't know what they do. They're just behind the... That's not what deacons do here. 
And so we all bring like uh, context and, and maybe some baggage around what that looks like. We want to look at this book and say this is the way that those things shape out. And so um, click on that, f- dig around, and if you still have questions, come and talk to us. Thirdly, why care about any of this? I know you don't care about this as much as I do. (laughs) If anything else, you've helped me by just letting me talk about this stuff that I love talking about for 40 minutes. If you want to talk more about it, just ask. (laughs) Because from, from you who are newly connected here, to you who are a member, to you serving on a team, to you connecting in a group, to you leading a team, to you being a deacon, to you being an elder, to you planting a church here, there, or anywhere, we all have a part to play. Right? We all have a part to play. We get to know our role with clarity. And only when we do that can we bear the responsibility faithfully to serve in our role with the aim of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. Everything that you do, that's that's why I want you to be doing it. I want to be clear on on what the Bible teaches about how we get to be the church on mission together. And, And all that being true, that's why we wrote this thing up. Read this thing. Read this paper. It's the same thing that's online, but essentially we say this. This is the process. Like we're inviting you, right, those who are committed to this church and family to bear weight, to bear ownership, to to give voice into the process of commissioning deacons because it's a big deal, right? And we'll do it every year. And for those who are, well, how long are you a deacon? Do do we have three-year terms? Well, you're a deacon so long as you're faithfully qualified to do so, so long as you want to do that, so long as the opportunity is still there. And and when you stop serving throughout the middle of the year, you're not doing anything, then you're not a deacon anymore. And we'll do this again next year. And so kind of the, the, we identify leaders, we assess annually. That means we sat down, the elders sat down with every single one of these people. And we peered in, all right? And, and then today we present deacon candidates to the members. We invite your feedback. In a couple of weeks we'll commission deacons for a year and then we'll repeat again next year, right? So I want to read this little blurb at the bottom of the, the front page. The list of servant leaders represents those being presented as deacon candidates. They have been identified as leaders and assessed for character and competence. The bar isn't perfection, but the pursuit of godliness in life and conduct. Each has demonstrated humility, gospel identity, repentance, and servant leadership as a pattern of life. There are some leaders serving in in particular roles who are not on this list, We want you to know that being a deacon is a two-way street where all parties, elders, deacons, and members have a voice. It may not be a matter of not being qualified so much as not being comfortable for one reason or another. Maybe it's they're going through a period of testing. They've just not led that long. They're transitioning into a role or out of a role. There's not enough margin to bear the level of weight that we're asking for them for for that uh, befitting of a deacon. Maybe they don't feel comfortable with the role at this point. Or maybe we're working through other areas of growth. It's okay. We're figuring this stuff out together, right? We are super thankful for everyone who contributes in all the ways that they do, right? So the invitation for you on the back is to be mindful. Read over this list. Consider the gifted people the Spirit has brought to this family and just thank God for them, right? Secondly, be encouraging. If it strikes you, Man, and encourage those who serve and lead sacrificially. They don't get much else out of it. <laughs> be an encouragement to them. And then lastly, be part of the process. While we feel confident in the deacon candidates presented on this page, the village is a Christ-centered, elder-led, deacon-served, and member-informed church community. That means that we really do value the trust and voice of those committed to the village. So here's the invitation. If you have a problem with the process, what they do, how the scriptures, you just don't see, like that's totally fine. Talk to an elder about that and we'll, we'll make time to, to talk through that. 
after you have read the documents that spell out maybe some of the things, right? If you have a problem with someone on this list because they cut you off um, and stole your parking spot and threw ice at you and kicked your tires on the way in, then, then we also want you to talk to them about it. Don't talk to me about it. Jesus reconciles us to the Lord by his work. And he reconciles us to one another by his grace. Put that on display. I saying, I, I see this name. I'm so uncomfortable with it. You're a member in this church. Talk to them about it. And if you still feel unsettled in that, come and talk to an elder. We would love to walk down that path with you. All right? I close with this. Um, this is the reality for, for survivors on a plane crash. They get to pick up the pieces, right? It's, just, it's the reality for the Bengals. Joe Burrow gets to throw a football next week. He's not worried about ticket prices or, or parking for fans. One of the greatest gifts in my life is the way you all serve this church community. Deacons, members alike. I could walk in here and step up here and preach and leave. Look, I know so many pastors that are like pushing faders. I, know so many, I don't know how to make coffee around here. Couldn't do it if I tried. I don't know what that thing is with the bubbles and stuff. What a gift that the body has built as it is. I'll leave you with this. Let yourself be moved by what Jesus did for you until your duty becomes a joy. That's what we get to do as servants. Band, you got a little bit of time. There you go. God, thank you for these people, for this church, for the way you invite us to care for and, and to advance your mission. Discard my words that have no value and shine bright your words that do. We love you and we need you. As we respond in communion, we sing songs, we pray, sit where we are. God, would you be full in us today and let us trust you, the lead servant in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.